All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. Happy State of the Union Day. Yes, tonight, President Biden will give his second State of the Union address. It will be an opportunity for Americans to hear how Biden grades himself and how they compare that to their own experience in America today, whether it's with inflation, food prices and gas prices, whether it's with security, crime in your neighborhood, whether it's the feeling that America is in a moment of malaise because bullies like Russia invading our allies in Ukraine and China feeling bold enough to try to fly a spy balloon right down the center of our great country. There's going to be, I think, a disconnect between Biden's back padding of himself and how everyday real Americans feel. And I think that we'll be watching for that. And we've got some great guests to get us a preview of the State of the Union today. My great colleague at Just the News, Nick Ballacy, our congressional correspondent, he's been on the front lines of Capitol the last couple of weeks. He'll give us what he expects, what he's hearing. He's got some new information directly from the Biden White House and some new information from Republicans on what's going on. We also expect that President Trump is going to have some counter-programming. We'll be covering that as well at Just the News. And of course, the newly minted Arkansas governor, second generation governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, will be giving the Republican response tonight. A lot of eyes will be on her. She's got a lot of fresh new ideas in Arkansas, getting rid of the income tax, empowering parents to have more choices in school choice, including taking their tax dollars with them. Those are some pretty big ideas that will win. Now, we're going to top off the show, the beginning of the show, with Congressman Randy Feenstra from the great state of Iowa. Congressman Feenstra is making a huge difference, particularly when we talk about concern about China, about the border, two things I think make a lot of people very worried. Congressman Feenstra just isn't highlighting the problem. He's on the front lines of solving it. He's got the Farm Act, which would prevent or ban malign foreign interests like China from infiltrating rural America and buying up farmland or buying up farm supplies and integrating nefarious forces inside the American supply chain and family farms. 
Farms. The Farm Act, very popular, getting bipartisan support. He is the man who has put that together. In addition, he's got another one called Sarah's Law, named after one of the victims of the border crimes. And it is going to require that the United States government, the Biden administration, keep illegal immigrants in prison, held in custody, if and when they kill or seriously injure an American citizen, not let them out so they can create more heinous crimes, more heinous damage. We're going to talk to Congressman Feenster about both of those, as well as the China spy balloon scandal and so much more, what he expects to hear tonight from, of course, the uh, president. Those are all great stuff. And then, as I mentioned, Nick Ballacy, our great reporter on Capitol Hill, will join us. And then we're going to end up the day with a good conversation about philanthropic giving, charitable giving in America. Just a few days ago, we had a big story on Just the News, Amazon Smile, the charitable deferral program as part of the Amazon empire being shut down. One of the easy ways that people were donating. But what do you do? You still want to support those charities. You still want to be philanthropic in your mindset. Well, Peter Lipset from the Donors Trust will be here to talk about the trend lines in charitable giving, what you can do to make up the, the loss of Amazon Smile, and what are some of the free market, small government, conservative charities that are beginning to make a difference. He's got a great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should go check it out called Giving Ventures. He's going to end the day for us with some really great conversations. Now, before we go to commercial break, uh, yesterday I talked a lot about the China balloon scandal controversy awakening, as Victoria Coates said. It's our generation's Sputnik moment, meaning that it, it awakens the country to the malign intentions of China on our soil. Today, I've got another story up, and it, it does focus at why it is a, a legitimate concern, a legitimate Sputnik moment. And I'm not talking technologically, because quite frankly, a weather balloon spy operations far less technological than what Sputnik meant to the space race in the early 1960s. But what I'm talking about is awakening. It's the sort of moment that just says, all right, I know we've been talking about China. Some people say it isn't a threat. Some people say it is. It's a threat if they're they're spying openly on our country using a spy balloon. And we couldn't even shoot it down for a week. And oh, here's the headline that I brought to you last night. This is so important. And I want to really focus on it for a second because very few news media this morning led with this. But I think it's such an important fact. The head of NORAD last night acknowledged that NORAD, our main air defense system, failed to detect multiple incursions by China's spy balloons. Going back to the Trump administration, no, Donald Trump didn't know because NORAD didn't know. NORAD, who's supposed to protect us, failed to detect multiple incursions of China's spy balloons. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because it really has a remarkable factor to it. This wasn't a tiny little balloon that could escape notice. It's a 200-foot high, several thousand pound payload carrying object. It's basically the size of a jetliner, and yet NORAD didn't detect it. And Air Force General Glenn Van Herc, who's the head of NORAD, our air defense system, said that this was a troubling domain awareness gap. That's Pentagon speak for we had a failure of intelligence. We had a failure of security. And he goes on to describe what it means, how they're going to close it, why, when they discovered this fifth balloon, why they were trying to make it an intelligence exploitation opportunity. A really amazing acknowledgement yesterday. It also shows how dishonest the original leaks were over the weekend when they tried to turn this around and President Trump saying, he missed it. He knew it. He missed it. He didn't tell us. Donald Trump didn't know because NORAD didn't know. NORAD 
the people we pay to protect our country fail to detect it. And, you know, I love our military, but maybe NORAD should spend a little bit less time opining about UFOs and, and Santa sleighs and maybe get back to the basics of securing our airspace from malign influences like a Chinese spy balloon. That story is up. Uh, the headline on it is China spy balloon episode, a Sputnik learning moment for America and a black eye for the Biden Pentagon. Very important story that we had out this morning. We're going to talk to Congressman Feenstra about that right after this commercial break. All right, folks, we'll be back. Let's listen to our great sponsors, advertisers, and partners. And when we come back, Congressman Randy Feenstra for the great state of Iowa, one of the big proponents of the Farm Act that would stop China from buying up farmland and food resources in America. He's going to join right after the commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We talk a lot about the emerging threats that China is posing to American sovereignty. Certainly the spy balloon and last week heightened that for so many people. But our next guest, he is on the forefront of making sure that China and other hostile powers do not buy up our farmland and strangle our food supply. One of the most important things we've got to tackle in the next couple of years. He's on the forefront of doing this. He's a member of the House Agriculture Committee. He is Congressman Randy Feenstra from the great state of Iowa, and he joins us right now. Congressman, great to have you on the show. 
Hey, it's great to be on your show. I listen to it periodically, uh, John, and you do such a great job. Thanks for having me on. What an honor. Thank you, sir. Before we get to the Farm Act, which I think all of our listeners are super excited about what you're doing there, but I want to just quickly get your sense of the State of the Union. Obviously, President Biden's going to give his own speech tonight, but I think you have a very clear picture of what you think the State of the Union is. Tell us your thoughts on it and what might be different from what President Biden will tell the country tonight. Well, uh, John, I'm a product of rural America, and, and I hope Biden addresses rural America. I mean, so often we hear about all the stuff that helps people on the East Coast and West Coast. I want to hear uh, things that, that affect people uh, in the Midwest, you know, whether it be uh, the inflationary costs, whether it be energy independence. You know, there, there's so many costs right now that are costing re- everyday regular Americans. And that's what I want him to address. I also want him to address you know, what China is doing and why they're our adversaries and why they're buying our farmland. Why, why do we have balloons flying over, over the U.S.? I mean, these are issues that he needs to address uh, and, and tell us what are we going to do, what solutions are out there. Yeah, so important. I think he'll give a rosy assessment of the economy. And obviously, there was a very good jobs report in this last month. I get that. But inflation is coming down only because it reached record highs. This morning, a pretty extraordinary announcement about the size of the trade deficit, $950 billion, the largest ever recorded in American history. There seems to be a lot of things in the union that are wrong, even though the president last uh, tonight will likely tell us that everything is rosy. Tell me the things that most bother you or what you're own constituent tells you, and how big a deal is the trade deficit and its growth over the last year? Well, the trade deficit is just appalling, and and we've been asleep at the wheel. The administration has been asleep at the wheel on trade for the last two years since they got into office. Uh, And and we see this on every day, especially in the agricultural arena with the commodity markets uh, and livestock markets, and then also with manufacturing. Uh, you know, uh, Iowa is the second largest agriculture exporting state in, in the country, and yet uh, we're seeing very little uh, going, going and expanding the export market. And then you have the China uh, phase two trade deal that never happened. You have USMCA uh, that is now uh, not occurring, especially when it comes to buying corn uh, because of GMO issues. I mean, th- these are some really big, significant issues, and that's why we have such a big trade deficit. And boy, I mean, it really helps our economy when we can export our product. Uh, and yet, uh, just doesn't seem like this administration really cares about that. Yeah, it's uh, and one of the places where the trade deficit is most frustrating. Obviously, the beef industry tonight, you're going to be bringing a developer from the Cattleman's Heritage Beef Company, Chad Tettinger, as your guest, sends a pretty powerful statement to uh, the president uh, that he's got to be paying attention to these great farmers, these great cattlemen. Tell us how important that is. Here again, uh, it, it's it's Midwest and how we live. You know, it's it's all about uh, making a living. And I've I got Jack, Chad Tenninger. Uh, he's a great uh, cattle producer, and actually, uh, him and others are creating a uh, independent packing plant uh, that will create transparency and pricing that independent pa- uh, independent producers can send their cattle to. I mean, this is what what the Midwest is all about. It's not about uh, top down. It's not about the big, big major corporate plants. It's about, you know, um, Americans doing what what we want to do. You know, it's about ingenuity. It's about creating food to the rest of the world. And, and that's why it's so important that we also have markets outside the U.S. that we can export our, our goods. And, and this is a big issue uh, for, for all of us that are in the Midwest of making sure that we can get our product to market uh, in different places, including 
you know, the energy market, whether that be uh, ethanol or biodiesel, you know, this is a great opportunity for corn and soybeans, but it's never talked about by this administration. No, no. They're more interested in exporting jobs than creating export opportunities for our jobs. Mr. Tettinger, clearly a job creator. This is going to be a 2,000 head of cattle a day processing plan. Pretty exciting. Last year, you and Senator Grassley introduced a really important piece of legislation called the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. Uh, pretty important legislation. Tell us why it would change the marketplace and make things more transparent and better for Americans. Exactly. So what we have is we have four big uh, meat packers in, in our country, and uh, they can control the prices by, by line speeds and what they buy. Uh, they control 85% of the market right now. So if you're an independent cattleman, um, there's nowhere to go unless you have a contract with the four big packers. And that's what Chad Tinninger is trying to do is create create another area where, where uh, independent uh, producers can go to a packing plant to, to get a better price. Uh, to bring it to market a little faster uh, than just relying on a monopoly of the four big packers. And again, it's all about transparency and fairness. That's all, as Americans, that's all we want. We don't want a monopoly. We want to make sure that we can uh, have a capitalistic society, that we can sell goods uh, for what they're worth. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that transparency is so important. You have, I think, one of the most important pieces of legislation in this Congress. We've talked about it a lot here. China's interest and other adversaries' interest in buying up our farmlands, putting a further stranglehold on the American supply chain that could be leveraged in a time of warfare or conflict. The Farm Act is so important. It seems to be gaining a lot of interest on both sides of the aisle. Tell us what it does and why it's so important. Well, the bottom line is, first of all, that we, we believe that American farmland belongs to the American farmer. And what that, that's what this bill does. It investigates why foreign investors are buying the land in the United States. And it goes through a review of why is the investment being made? And if it is uh, a concern for security purposes, then we have to stop uh, these purchases from happening. I mean, people have to understand, foreign investors own 37.5 million acres of American farmland. Uh, that's actually bigger than the state of Iowa. And what we want to do is get down to why are they buying it? Well, we saw this in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where the Fufeng Group, a Chinese-based manufacturer with ties to, obviously, the Chinese Communist Party, bought land right next to a military installation all right that's a security issue you know when we see balloons flying overhead it should give us great pause that not only are they controlling what's above us but they're also buying land that we we we, uh, we have that we uh, do our business on so uh, we've got to get to the bottom of this that's what the farm act does uh, investigates it and stops it from happening the idea of China-proofing our economy, of insourcing again, rebuilding our own supply chain, it got some fancy in the beginning of the pandemic, and then it kind of lost a little bit of its steam for a bit. It seems as though both parties are growing their interest in maybe creating a supply chain that's American-centric and China-proofing the economy. Will we see some progress on that in this Congress, and will Democrats cross over as they seem to be signaling? I think this has become very bipartisan, and we have to make sure that that we keep, you know, we we're America first. That that we can build our stuff here. That and that really comes through through our tax structure to make sure that hey, people want corporations and businesses want to domicile here in America, and that we have to make sure that we have a workforce that can do that. We have to make sure that we have domestic manufacturing, whether that be computer chips, 
whether that be uh, agricultural technology, you name it, all right? If we build it here, we know it's safe and secure instead of buying our goods uh, from China and, and other adversarial countries. And, and, and more importantly, uh, we talk about security in our country. You know, we have to make sure that when we're uh, creating our goods here, uh, we know it's American-made, it's American quality, and, and that's so significant. You have another piece of legislation that a lot of people talk about. It's got a very personal reason for its introduction, but it also has a broad application given that so many illegal immigrants, even those who commit crimes, are getting released again back into the populace. Sarah's Law, tell us what it's about and why it's so important. Yeah, th this is a situation where Sarah Root was, was coming home from her college graduation and she got killed by an illegal uh, who was drunk, and they could not hold that illegal, posted bail, never to be seen from again. So justice was never served. And what Sarah's law simply says is that uh, if, if uh, illegal does the, the, the act of killing someone, that they should be held uh, until uh, justice can be done and until um, a, a judicial hearing can occur. Uh, we, we can't have people that are legally here and then uh, do a, a heinous act of killing somebody, and then they flee, and we never see from them again. Justice needs to be served, and that's what this bill does. Yeah, it's so important to, to pay attention to that legislation, and named after a tragic American figure, but I know one whose parents and loved ones are excited to know that, that her name lives on, and maybe can solve a problem if this law could ever get passed. The border, there's an extraordinary hearing going on right now. You're on Ways and Means. That's such an important committee. How can uh, Republicans tie Biden's hands and force him to finally begin enforcing the law using the budget process? What sort of mechanisms can Ways and Means and the Budget Committee do to require the president to enforce the laws that he's supposed to enforce so that we start to get a better situation at the border? Well, I was just at the border uh, this past weekend. I also was in Mexico City meeting with Mexico authorities on what we can do to, to uh, you know, shut down our border and stop the drugs, illicit drugs from coming in like fentanyl and meth. And the bottom line is this, is that we've got to fund Border Patrol agents. I mean, if we could do anything, uh, we need more Border Patrol agents. We need more uh, airplanes and helicopters. But the thing that, that, that Biden has to understand is we're killing Americans through this academic epidemic of fentanyl coming through. And, and the Border Patrol and Mexicans, uh, Mexican government has said this, is that fentanyl used to be 10 to $15 a pill, and now it's 2 to $3. And the reason for that is there's so much on the market in America because it's coming through at such a fast pace. That should alarm everyone that it, you know, it's coming into – to the Midwest, it's coming into our, our, our cities. Um, and this is something I think the administration has to understand and stop, all right? You're killing young kids uh, because of this open border policy. And, and we have to make sure that the 5.5 million illegal immigrants that have crossed the southern border in the last year, that this needs to end, this needs to stop. I know the Senate took away the opportunity to get much done this year by doing that $1.7 dollar spendathon that basically covers this year but the fiscal 2023 year is really republic house republicans chance to put their imprimatur and start to force compliance with laws that are on the books and would save lives so i know a lot of eyes are, are watching that there seems to be a resolve in fact i'm pretty been pretty impressed how unified Republicans came out of the speakership process, and it seems as though you guys are firing on all cylinders. A lot of agreement about what to tackle right now, isn't there? 
It is. And, and the big thing right now, I think, as uh, Republicans in Congress, we're all looking at fiscal responsibility and bringing that back to Congress. We're also about all about making sure that our Constitution uh, is, is set up in a way and, and that we address it, that we have bottom up control, that we have grassroots, that, that it comes from the people, it goes through the committees, it goes uh, to the floor and it's not heavy handed. It's not just one person like Nancy Pelosi driving the agenda. It's we, the people that are driving the agenda. And uh, you're going to see that as we move forward, whether it comes to energy independence, whether it becomes uh, um, it comes to the inflation. You know, we have to stop spending. Uh, our credit card is maxed out uh, and we have to start getting our fiscal house in order. Yeah, so very important. You are taking the lead along with some other members of Congress in really trying to challenge uh, the waters of the U.S. rule. It sounds like an esoteric issue, but it will have a devastating effect on rural America. Tell us what's at stake and what, if any, reaction you've gotten from EPA. Is EPA even responsive to the concerns that you, your constituencies and other members of Congress have raised? Well, uh, last year, uh, our office had conversations with the EPA and Michael Regan, and they said they're working on it. But there was a, a lawsuit that, that is in front of the Supreme Court right now, and there's a decision that has to come down. So at that time, the EPA said, we're not going to do anything until, until the decision is made. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. The EPA doubled down by expanding the significant nexus test. Uh, which is a subjective determination of what navigatable waters is. And this extreme overreach uh, will really crush farming activities like moving dirt, plowing, building fences. It will all require federal permitting. Not only that, is it's so punitive that if you, if you do something uh, illegally or, or if you move a fence or plow any of these type of lands, that you could be uh, be fined and, and very significant fines. So this is scary for every farmer produ- farming producer. Uh, you know, a puddle of water or a, a little water in your you know near uh, near a ditch is going to be called navigatable waters. Again, uh, farmers, we know we we can take care of our land. It's all about local control, and the EPA is taken away away from that. Last question. I don't know how much members of Congress have been briefed yet, but the spy balloon episode of the last week has, I think, awoken many people. A lot of people I talked to yesterday said, hey, it's our Sputnik moment. It's our awakening that this is how bold China is as our adversary. But there was an amazing moment yesterday. The mainstream media didn't really press the general on this, but the head of NORAD acknowledged that there were multiple previous balloon crossings, both in, during the Trump administration and the Biden administration, that weren't detected by NORAD. They were only recently discovered by going backwards and reviewing security parameters. But the idea that NORAD is not detecting a balloon that was estimated to be 200 feet high, the size of a jetliner, clearly with heavy equipment on it, how concerning is that that they missed those detections and are only finding them after the fact when this balloon finally showed up on radar. Yeah, well, this is absolutely concerning. I mean, we need answers. We need answers. Uh, how many years has this been going on, right? I mean, we know that it's gone as far back as two or three years ago. So think about all the information that they've gotten that we have not found out until we finally saw one. And then we didn't even dare to shoot it down. I mean, it, this is this should scare every American that obviously our China adversaries are spying on us and at an alarming rate. So not only are they buying our land and our production land, uh, they're also watching us from above. 
And uh, this shows that we have a lack of leadership. And, and on the world stage, China's getting by with it. Putin's getting by with, with a lot of things. Uh, we've got to stand up. We've got to be strong. We're America, for goodness sakes. All right? We're the strongest country in the world, and we've got to show it. Yeah. There's this feeling among both our adversaries and our allies that we're leading from behind. Do you think that that is beginning to permeate and have consequences downstream, emboldening bad people to try different things? It's emboldening all our adversaries from from Russia to China to North Korea. They see that that we're not doing anything. I think this part of this China balloon situation was China trying to figure out, all right, how far can we push this? How far can we go? And obviously, we weren't even going to shoot it down at first. So, you know, we just keep capitulating to China. And, and this is so scary. We keep allowing them to buy our farmland. I mean, when is this going to stop? We continue to allow them uh, to have uh, their students come into our universities and, and take our intellectual uh, information, our intellectual technology. All right. This has got to end. Uh, you know, again, uh, we have to make sure that uh, accountable, China is accountable for their actions. Yeah, such an important concept, and uh, it seems like accountability slides off the scale when it comes to this administration. Congressman, it is a great honor to have you on the show. I know you're fighting on so many fronts to improve our security, our economy, our freedoms, and uh, I know our listeners really benefited from getting up to speed on all the great things you're doing. Great honor to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks to all your listeners, John. It's just great to be on. Yes, it is for us as well. All right, sir, we'll have you back on real soon. So many things to catch up on. But thank you and have a good day. Enjoy the State of the Union tonight. Thank you. You too. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. 
You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Tonight, the big State of the Union address, as we just discussed with Congressman Feenstra. Our Nick Ballacy has been covering this for the last week, ramping up for the big night tonight, talking to Republicans, Democrats, giving us a good sense of what we will hear from the president, what we might not hear from the president, and what could lie ahead for this country with so many challenges on the front lines. And joining us right now is Nick Ballacy to give us that update. Nick, how's everything going? Good, good. Very busy. Very busy. Lots of news, John, as you know. You've been interviewing a lot of folks and getting a lot of news out of it. We'll be covering this speech wall-to-wall, as well as the Republican responses. Tell us what you expect the president to talk about. I think the White House, just a little bit ago, gave us some of the big points that the president's supposed to make in his speech. They did. They laid out some priorities that he's going to be touching upon, uh, one of them being increased support and services for mental health, another being uh, fentanyl, trying to stop the amount of overdoses. And he does mention the border uh, the white in this White House document. But as you know, John, Republicans have been outspoken about the way that the, this White House and this administration is handling the border. I mean, there's an un, still an unprecedented amount of migrants, uh, migrant encounters at the border every month and many gotaways. So numbers of undocumented immigrants who were not detected by our border patrol there along the southern border. So Republicans argue a lot more needs to be done than just what's laid out in this White House document. Uh, your audience can tune, can go on the White House website and, and see this uh, full document. There's a lot in there. But you know, I think the president is going to need to do a lot more to get Republican support for uh, his agenda when it comes to immigration. I mean, he talks a lot about comprehensive immigration reform. Reform. He'll probably bring that up tonight. Uh, the need to offer a path to citizenship to the millions of illegal immigrants in the country. But Republicans say, with that, uh, becomes a need for a secure border. You can't just pass comprehensive immigration reform without strong border security measures, and uh, they are not happy, the Republicans, with uh, Secretary Mayorkas and his job performance. And so this is definitely going to be an issue of contention. Maybe there's some bipartisan support there on uh, this, uh, this, what he's laid out, the president, when it comes to fentanyl and, and the dangers of opioid uh, addiction. But I think there's going to have to be a lot more done in terms of the border to get the Republicans in support of, you know, the president's vision there. And then also I will mention, I'm sure the president's going to talk about the economy and say things are, uh, you know, heading in the right direction. And he's going to probably tout $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction to say that he's a deficit reducing president, but that's uh, really needs context. I mean, all those COVID programs that expanded the deficit and the debt to record levels, 
have uh, really um, started to phase out. So that's the reason why the deficit is coming down. It really doesn't have much to do with, Republicans argue, much, if anything, to do with uh, the president's policies. There's not enough deficit reduction. In fact, there's really none. They've actually increased domestic spending and defense spending in this uh, massive omnibus bill they passed in December. So that's going to be an issue of contention between both parties, the, uh, the spending, with the debt limit especially. Yeah, no, it's pretty remarkable. I think we got a little bit of a preview from the president weeks ago in Springfield, Virginia. He gave a speech and he basically said the country is going in the right direction. That's an odd statement given the data we see. You have a Democratic Party that doesn't want the president to run again. 60% of Democrats don't want him to run again. China traversing our airspace, the military unable to decide whether to shut it down. Do you think there's a disconnect in the optimism that Biden is going to talk about his own record and what real Americans are feeling right now? I do. And that's what a lot of Republicans have been telling me in the lead up to the speech. I've been talking to them about various issues that the Congress is, especially the new House, is focusing on. And they do point out that inflation is still high. It may be receding a little bit, but it's still high. And there's a lot more that needs to be done to strengthen the economy. Interest rates are still high when it comes to mortgage rates. And I think the American people are seeing all of this. And, and when the president speaks of optimism, I'm sure they'll appreciate the optimism, but they're going to say, I don't really see much of it right now. I mean, he might try to tout his, his record when it comes to like the bipartisan infrastructure bill or some of the other pieces of legislation he's been able to push through up until this new Congress. But I think the average American voter is wondering what is going to be done to help with inflation in particular, because everywhere you look around, uh, prices for everything, it's going up, whether it's eating out at a restaurant or going to the grocery store or filling up your tank, it's still a lot of money compared to the way it was a few years ago. So I think people are seeing it and wondering what else the president has up his sleeve. And I interviewed some Republican senators recently and congressmen about the fact that, you know, government spending, record highs, especially feeling the effect of the pandemic stimulus, that has really fueled the inflation. Because as you know, you know, Biden gets in, he does the American Rescue Plan, which really supercharged inflation. If you look at the charts, it started getting even worse after he continued all those pandemic relief programs, and he's going to need to explain to the American people why more government spending, because that's what they've done, they've increased it again, uh, is, is a good thing for the American economy. And the, and the Republicans admit they're going to have to do a better job connecting uh, the increased government spending to the reason why we're seeing this hyperinflation and rising deficit and national debt so that the American voter really um, understands what's going on here. Yeah, so important. Another thing that we've seen the president do in recent weeks is make two claims that Republicans are going to create a 30% national sales tax. That's based on one lawmaker's introduction of the Fair Tax Act, which would get rid of income payroll, state and gift taxes and replace it with a, a national sales tax that I think has an effective rate of 30%. Do Republicans have a lot of support behind that? Or is that really a one-off idea that Joe Biden is overstating and Kevin McCarthy is going to try to do something a little bit different? Yeah, I think it's more of a one-off idea. It's a piece of legislation that was proposed. And as you know, John, for a long time, this has been a, a thought of 
a, a way to go about the tax taxation in the United States with a larger sales tax and just as a way to kind of downplay or, or get rid of the IRS, but never really became mainstream. It's still not mainstream. I think Biden's trying to, especially with the Republican House, he's concerned his agenda is going to be completely stalled for the next two years. So he's finding out ways to, you know, look at more uh, proposals that are not mainstream and try to marry them to the to the, Repu- the entire Republican Party. I don't think this is going to work with the uh, American voter. I think they understand, okay, that may be the uh, you know opinion of a few lawmakers, but that's not the uh, overall opinion of all the Republicans in, in the conference, at least in the House. And no, I don't think McCarthy. I think he's actually come out a little critical of that that proposal. Uh, and I think they want to do, I mean, look, they, they did pass that bill to roll back the $71 billion going to the IRS agents, uh, in the, in, in the American rest or the, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. They passed that right away. That's stalling in the Senate. I think those kind of things are, are what they're going to focus on, uh, the extra IRS enforcement that was passed, trying to roll that back. Because uh, they don't want it to target uh, middle class taxpayers, and um, you know, with added audit. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt. In fact, there's already enough Republicans who've come out against the fair tax sales tax proposal that it couldn't pass this year. There's not enough Republican support, so the president is fanning something that isn't actually going to happen. Another one that he seems to do a lot is suggest that Republicans are intent on cutting Social Security and Medicare. Every Republican I've talked to from Kevin McCarthy on Don tells me that's not what they're going to do. They're actually going to refund it and get it back into place, but they're not going to cut benefits. Is that another scare tactic we might hear tonight? Is that one of his talking points that we've been hearing a lot lately? Yeah, I mean, just looking at this objectively, it's a total scare tactic. And this is the reason why serious entitlement reform hasn't been done for a long time. Uh, You know, one side says, in this case, the Democrats, the Republicans are trying to take away your benefits. They're going to cut benefits. And the Republicans say, no, we're trying to make sure the program is solvent so it can last longer. So we need reform. But in the end, they both decide it may not be politically popular right now because of the back and forth. And then nothing gets done. In fact, the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget just put out a statement uh, ahead of the State of the Union address saying it's dishonest. It's dishonest for President Biden to go out there and say this, because if you look at the actuaries, you look at the Social Security and Medicare reports by the by the professionals, the experts, they say, I think it's Social Security doesn't have much more time. Medicare doesn't have much more time. We're talking 10, 15 years. They need to take some sort of action. They've got to come together and put together a bipartisan proposal to help strengthen both programs if They want them to last. And I think one of the things that the committee pointed out is Biden was behind the 1983 reform of Social Security. He he signed on to that based on committee recommendations uh, from a special commission. He signed on to that. So why then did he understand you got to keep them solvent? You got to keep them moving uh, if you want them to last. And now he's just pointing fingers at Republicans. I really think they're scared because they've got two years of assault agenda if they don't work with the Republicans and they think working with the Republicans is not good for them heading into 2024. So we're going to hear a lot more of these types of arguments, I think, from Biden. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. If the president goes down this path, it'll look a lot like 
Jimmy Carter's famous Malai speech, where the country knew that it was Jimmy Carter's policies that they were upset with, and he tried to blame it on everything from the moral decay of the country and other stuff. But it really wasn't about moral decay of the country. It was about policies that weren't working, leadership on the world stage that wasn't working. Iran takes hostages because they thought the president was weak. It'll be interesting to see if Joe Biden falls into that trap on this one. What will you be looking for from the Republican response? we got a couple minutes left. I think I'll be looking for you know, what their take is on foreign policy in particular, because we've heard a lot about, you know, the Republican criticism of Biden's economic policies. But with the China alleged a spy balloon, that really has propelled the national security issue uh, and foreign policy, particularly with China, into the mainstream. People are really focused on that right now. I'd like to hear what he has to say about China competition and what his plan is for uh stopping their, uh, their tactics when it comes to uh, gathering uh, intelligence on us and surveilling us. I mean, in the cyberspace, especially, what's his plan on that? And then getting the Republican response to, you know, what he has to say about China w- will be interesting. They're already out uh, saying that, you know, he was slow to respond and that the Pentagon trying to say it was, it was an issue, these, these uh, surveillance balloons was an issue under Trump. Was, is, is not really something that Congress, at least the members I've talked to, are familiar with. They're like, we never heard about it. And and Trump himself said he didn't. Well, the reason why is the top general from NORAD confirmed last night that the NORAD didn't pick them up until recently. The old incursions were missed by NORAD, and only by going back through the data after this balloon episode started did they actually find those incursions. So the reason no one knew about it is that NORAD didn't detect them. Another sign that maybe our national defense system isn't as good as we think. Nick, one last quick question, because I know a lot of questions that people ask about. Will the president describe what the end game is for the Ukraine-Russia war? Great question. I don't think he will. I think he'll talk about the need to support Ukraine. We've already spent over $100 billion, by the way, uh, I don't know what the end game is. I don't think anybody really knows, including the Defense Department. I don't think we'll we'll find out what the strategy is, other than the need to support them. And I, I think the the end of that conflict and how to wind it down. I mean, it really depends on where Russia takes this. And I mean, they're continuing their aggression. Uh, I will be on the lookout, though, for what he says anything about Ukraine. But but I don't think Republicans are are um, don't think that he's going to actually uh, talk about the end of it. But I will say, in reference to the China balloon, if they were aware of this just by looking back at the the data, uh, it's amazing they missed it. We we were raised we've raised defense spending over fifty billion dollars this last go around. I mean, they have an over eight hundred billion dollar budget. I mean, I don't know how much more money they need. They should be able to to. Uh, track these things and protect us. And, and, and uh, I think the American people are going to say, uh, you know, we need to be better prepared for these things. I mean, you're getting a lot of money, a lot of taxpayer money. You got to be ready. Yeah. Uh, the general's acknowledgement last night was such a uh, acknowledgement of a blunder. It's a black eye for the Pentagon. Uh, we mentioned that at the top of the show. And 
Uh, talked about it with Congressman Feenstra as well. Nick, we are so lucky to have you on the front lines covering all the great Congress stuff. Thanks for a good update. I know you're going to be working hard tonight, way into the evening for President Biden's State of the Union address. But thanks for giving us a great preview. I think we have our seatbelts buckled. We know what to expect. Thanks to your good work. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. Uh, great honor. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation with Donors Trust, how to make your charitable giving count in a time of a tough economy. That's going to be the next conversation right after these commercial messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. A couple days ago, we had a really interesting story on Just the News. Amazon has announced that it's going to discontinue its Amazon Smile program. That was a program that allowed account holders like you and I to designate a charity to receive a portion of the proceeds from every purchase that was aligned with the Amazon Smile program program, a big loss to the charitable giving world and caught a lot of people off guard. Our next guest, he's on the forefront of making sure that your dollars, when you donate them, align with your values and make the biggest difference. And I, I think that's one of the most important things. When we give, we want to make sure we give to things that are aligned with what we believe in and are going to actually make a difference. And that's what Donors Trust does every day. I'm such a huge fan of their work. And joining us right now is their great vice president, Peter Lipset. Peter, welcome back to the show. Thank you, John. Good to be back. Uh, it's a great honor to have you on. I love this conversation. We all want to be charitable. We all want to make a difference. We all want to get involved in making the world and our country better through philanthropy. Let me start with what I opened up with, Amazon Smile. I, I was really shocked when this announcement came out. What do you think is driving it and what effect may it have on the philanthropic market? Yeah, I was shocked too. It seemed to come a bit out of the blue. It was a great program. I, I tried to use the smile.amazon whenever I had to buy stuff. I had a great charity I really cared about that was one of the more popular ones, a group called Give Directly and uh, does cash transfers. Great group and got a lot of money from the Amazon Smile. I think last time I saw it, it was $10,000 or something for the quarter. Uh, you know, it really empowered people to at least make some small charitable choice. It wasn't even their dollars. Um, you know, they were getting cat litter or a book or something, and the charity still got still got something out of it. And I think Amazon really did the right thing at the front end of this whole thing by really opening it up so that people could do any charity they wanted. I mean, that's an expensive proposition. And, you know, it's hard to pick just one, but it really allowed for this 
thousand flowers to bloom idea in philanthropy that, that we're certainly very supportive of. I do wonder if they have, have not been a little bit disingenuous in terms of talking about why they have discontinued it. They said that they weren't having the impact they wanted. It was spread too thin. Um, but charitable giving is spread thin. There's there's a million plus charities in the country. That's going to get spread thin. Uh, my guess it was probably just administratively really expensive to to do. Maybe there was an in-house element that didn't like writing checks to groups that the young progressives in the company didn't like. But you know, it's it's unfortunate. And if it's the latter piece, which I you know sometimes fear, maybe cynically, that's part of a, a larger shift we're seeing, where supposedly uh, free-minded charities are are kind of closing their their pocketbooks to groups that they don't don't like. So you know, it's their right to shut it down. Uh, and I do respect the fact that they are making some make good payments and doing a little extra for some of those groups because a lot of groups counted on on those dollars. Yeah, they did. When they when they they not say made an interesting thing that which is they were a mile wide and an inch deep, meaning no one organization got enough impact from Amazon Smile to actually make a difference. And so it was an interesting idea. That's the opposite of what actually happens with donors trust. You really make sure that every penny, every dollar donated actually does go to the maximum impact. It also goes to something that you and I, whatever whoever the giver is, is fully aligned with. Talk a little bit about why that's so important, making sure that money goes in a way that it actually creates impact, makes a difference. You, yeah, you want to make sure your dollars are having having an effect. And and $100 at a small organization is going to go a lot farther than $100 at, at the American Red Cross, right? Uh, at some huge organization. And we certainly vet every organization that, that we're working with that our clients want to give to, to make sure that they're not being fiscally reckless, et cetera, et cetera. But more importantly, as you allude to, that their values don't contradict the values that the people who are listening to your show agree with. Limited government, personal responsibility, free enterprise, the idea that government should be small and shouldn't be trying to take over the charitable sector, but that free private philanthropy should be driving the charitable sector. And so we think that's really important. We think it's something that's easy to miss as you're trying to be kind and charitable, uh, that maybe the group doesn't have your uh, values and uh, isn't quite aligned with your values. But we, we try to make sure that, you know, even if they're not standing up and preaching the gospel of free markets, that they aren't working against it. Yeah, that's so important. One of the things that I love Donors Trust, it's, it's such a brilliant thing. You have a podcast and it introduces you to causes and charities and philanthropic interests that we might not know about that are perfectly aligned because they're doing something to make government smaller or to make people more free or to make the world better. And it allows you to start thinking, oh, I didn't know about that. That's where I want to put my money. And a lot of people, you know, go in together. You start to have a real impact. How important is your giving ventures? And by the way, how can people listen to it? I think it's one of the best podcasts out there in the philanthropic space. Well, thanks, John. You know, giving ventures, search for it. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can find it there. We've got, I think, we're up to about 33, 34 episodes and covering a whole basket of, of things from kind of what you might expect on a conservative-leaning show. We've got tax cuts and, you know, talking about groups working in that space. Uh, but we also have things on free market ways to alleviate poverty and how do we bridge divides? How do conservatives think about the environment and advancing a better program there and, and kind of the whole the whole gamut. We got it all. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting. And we've seen a lot of different 
themes come up, you know, can I highlight two big themes that I think we've seen? Um, so, so I'll take two big ones. One's an issue and one is kind of a state of acting of, of all these episodes that I've seen. One issue that just keeps coming up, and maybe it sounds like a broken record, but is this idea of expanding educational freedom. This is not a ship in the night that's just disappearing. I think maybe a lot of us thought after COVID, after the, the virtual schooling all died down, that all of this angst and Strom and drag around schools might eventually kind of fade into the background as we got back into the status quo. Well, that hasn't happened. And, you know, already in this legislative year, you've seen Utah and Iowa join West Virginia and Arizona with these terrific education savings account. My home state of Virginia is, is arguing it as well as several others are as well. And it's, it's going, but beyond just trying to enact legislative change that gives parents more freedom the, this voice of the parents is still out there, and they are more engaged than ever before. And there's so many good groups, small groups that have kind of popped up, these Moms for Liberty or Parents Defending Education, uh, all of these types of groups that are helping those folks to have their voice amplified, to learn how to run for school board, to learn how to uh, ask the right questions of, of their teachers. And I think it's just really cool that this is not faded into the background uh, as we might think that it, that it, that it might have. The other big trend is around communicating better. You know, you have a podcast, you have a show, you understand the value of communication. I think too often in the policy space in particular on the right, we have, uh, even though we may have had the moral high ground, we have not had the storytelling capabilities to show it. And, you know, this Giving Ventures episode we have live right now highlights three groups that have cases in front of the Supreme Court this term. And one of those in particular the Pacific Legal Foundation is just so good at not just fighting our civil liberties in court, that's great, but also telling the story of why seemingly arcane or mysterious concepts like regulatory capture or civil asset forfeiture, things that don't roll off the tongue, but why they matter to you and to me. And we're seeing more and more groups realize that, yeah, they've got to convince lawmakers and judges, but they are never going to win the hearts and minds of America if they don't do the things, tell the stories, reach people on a deeper level um, that, that allows us to, to do what I call kind of an iPhone approach to advancing uh, the freedom agenda. That, you know, the iPhone was beautiful, it was thoughtfully designed, but it was also the best technology in the function. Well, we have the best technology, we have the best ideas, we also have to be thoughtful in how we uh, efficiently, effectively, uh, and aesthetically present those ideas to the public and win the public relations battle. Owning the narrative is so important and, and making sure the narrative is backed up by facts. And you guys do such a great job. There's a moment and we've been watching this trend line for some time. In fact, we did a series of stories maybe a year, year and a half ago that caught the Salvation Army, one of the famous charities in all of America, going woke, right? And having this whole uh, CRT undertone to its Christmas campaign in 2021. As soon as we exposed it, donations went way down. But there is this trend line for some American traditional philanthropy groups of going woke, of leaning directly into only liberal causes and injecting CRT or transgenderism or automatic income and things like that, all liberal ideas. You are constantly showing that we can address the same problems like poverty and education through different things. I mean, you have people like Star Parker and you've got Kendall Qualls and you got Bob Woodson 
who are going to address the same problems as some of the woke charities, but do it from a free market, liberty, conservative basis. How important is that to create real life examples that are alternatives to the ones that the mainstream media and the woke Hollywooders like to promote? It's so important. You have to see these ideas in action. It's not enough to, to read a white paper, to read a book, to read a magazine article about what could be. You got to see these social entrepreneurs going out there and actually applying them. Uh, you know, you mentioned several great folks, all of which we highlighted on, on one episode a while back. You know, there's other things like uh, there's a number of groups, the, the Independent Institute, the Cicero Institute, several others that are really coming on strong against the homelessness epidemic and really helping to push back on often liberal policies that have not worked and have only expanded homelessness and, and instead saying, look, we, we have the same compassion. We are with you that, that we should help have, let people have better lives. Let's actually do something that works. And they are not just saying that they're actually working with the community groups, getting into the trenches, helping turn lives around and I think when policy can come alongside uh, with those heartfelt approaches, with that hands-on approach, um, you really can, like I say, start to turn hearts and minds around towards our ideas. You know, realize that we aren't a bunch of coat and tie, stuffy folks walking around with these conservative ideas. We actually really care. Yeah. And there are solutions that are working, right? And I think that's the vocational training and, and school choice and community empowerment. I mean, all the things Bob Woodson has stood for for years and how to revitalize low-income communities. It's really exciting to see that conservatives care. They can apply their values to today's problems, and they actually have programs that are working. And every time I listen to the, your podcast, it immediately reminds me that, wait, wow, there's a lot more stories that we got to tell the American public about because once people see it or they hear it at Giving Ventures, they realize, well, there is a solution with my values to some of the problems that Hollywood and others talk about all day long. And I've just been so impressed at how Donors Trust is able to synthesize those stories and get them out in a way that, that resonate in, in everybody's lives. It's a really, really great uh, project that you guys have with Giving Ventures. Pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And more people need to know this stuff. More people need, you know, that conservatives tend to think that folks will just come to our ideas because they're going to realize they're right. And the, the left has realized maybe a little browbeating will, will do the same thing. Well, we don't want to browbeat people, but we got to have good stories to tell and we got to tell them. Yep, that's it. Seeing is believing. And when you, you, you set eyes on a person or you hear the story of a person whose life got better through free market solutions and conservative ideas, it makes a believer of people who otherwise might be skeptical. It's such an amazing process that you're going through right now and educating the public about it. Now, there are some trend lines that I think people are beginning to take a look at with some concern, some trepidation, some worry. 2022, 20 to 21, 2021 to 2020, giving has been down, particularly individual small giving. I assume that's a factor of the economy and the pandemic, but tell us the trend lines and what's really going on. What are the forces really at work there? Yeah, I wish I could say it was just the economy, but it's unfortunately a, a trend we've seen for a number of years in the, the giving data out there that the smaller dollar donors are ticking down. I think last year, the number of one-time givers and donors who gave less than $500 was down 7%. That doesn't seem like a lot, but that's real money. And a lot of 
organizations out there rely on those small givers. Uh, you know, you, we can't just let the mega donors do everything. I think I've said it on this show before. Jeff Bezos isn't going to give to your local food pantry. Warren Buffett isn't going to give to a local parental rights group or some Second Amendment meetup in your area that, that subsists on small dollars, right? Just like the big organizations aren't going to go away because they can get those big dollars. But smaller organizations are sustained by gifts coming in in $100 or $1,000 increments, $20 increments. And, uh, you know, those dollar bills and the church collection plate, they add up. And we need to encourage people to jump back into giving. And I worry that, that instead we're seeing some animosity grow uh, as these mega donors continue to make mega gifts. And that's putting a downward trend. And people say, well, I'll just let you know, Bill Gates do all the giving. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. While we're seeing that trend line, there's also some reason for optimism. There are charitable examples that are working. There are successes where nonprofits have come up with an idea and they get it through the legislature, like what's going on in Oklahoma right now with some of the portable school choice ideas. And those are spreading now to other states, even with the trend lines on some of the giving a lot of reason for optimism that philanthropy is going to make a big difference in the near future of of America's course, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's always good causes to support. I think the the hard part is just convincing people to, to open those wallets. And, you know, maybe with the Amazon Smile ending, people will say, well, I still care about that organization. So instead of just letting my shopping support it, I will send them $10 a month. Uh, that's the, the type of thing that, that we hope for, that we need. We need, you know, and, and there is room for legislative solutions, as you, as you mentioned, not just in terms of enacting the policies, but things that actually support charitable giving. We had, we had kind of hoped uh, that nasty omnibus bill at the end of last year would have some, an extension of some of these charitable tax breaks, or maybe even this uh, much-discussed universal charitable deduction that would allow anyone, whether they itemize or not, to deduct $4,000 from their charitable giving. I mean, can you just imagine the increased outflows you would see going out to charitable causes if everyone could write off up to $4,000. Uh, so maybe we'll see that. Um, maybe the left that sometimes is decrying charitable deduction as being only for the rich will have to put their vote where their mouth is and, and really expand that deduction uh, to, to everyone. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's a novel idea and they just need to be invigorated enough to get them through Congress because if Congress gets them done, they're going to be ignition points for a whole new round of philanthropy in America. And they're such simple ideas and I think they have a lot of bipartisan appeal. It just, it's been that there's been a thumb on the scale of so much of the good ideas that Congress could consider. It's, there's a moment, I think, where that's going to change, and we'll see. Peter, uh, you guys do such amazing stuff, and you've also done something very special for us here at Just the News, the Just the News family, John Solomon Reports family. If you go to DonorsTrust.org slash Just News, DonorsTrust.org slash Just News, you'll get a special introduction to how Donors Trust can help you make more of your philanthropic giving. Make sure that every penny you give is aligned with your values and having the sort of impact you want to have. That is a great opportunity. Don't miss it up, folks. DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Peter, when someone lands there and they get stuck Started. Tell us how the process begins and how Donor Trust works to help someone like myself and you make a difference in the philanthropic space. You know, our goal is really to to make it easy to be a giver, to, to give you a nice one-stop shop for all of your charitable giving, but also, as you, we talked about earlier, to do it in a way that's protected, that aligns with your values and your intent. 
And so with the donor advised fund, it's like a charitable savings account. You open it up, put some money in, and then you've got that money set aside to be able to grant out. And you just go online or email us and say, I want to send X number of dollars to this cause and Y number of dollars to that cause. We do the back-end work. If there's anything weird, if the organization is defunct or, or having some issues, we'll flag that for you. And if you've got questions, if you want to know who's doing good work in education policy or in conservative environmentalism, we know the groups that can do it, and we're happy to talk to you about that. We just want to be your partner in philanthropy for people who care about these these issues, these ideas, and making sure that tomorrow really truly is a better place for this country than, than even today. Yeah, that's such a good goal. Peter, we love this partnership. We love what Donors Trust stands for, all of the resources. And of course, we love the extraordinary podcast that you put together. It has really enlightened us. Folks, if you want to get giving ventures, if you want to get started on the process of just exploring how Donors Trust might be able to make a difference, if you're feeling a hole in your life because Amazon Smile is going away, go check out DonorsTrust.org slash just news donors trust.org slash just news a lot of tools a lot of resources the beginning of a beautiful partnership it has been a great partnership for us here at just the news it'll be just as rewarding to you uh, on a personal level if you get started today peter love having you on the show can't wait for our next conversation thanks so much for what you do and thank you for the extraordinary podcast we just love that and i listen to giving ventures often and i'm learning of i think i know a lot of things in uh, around the philanthropic space but every time i listen i find a new one like i didn't know about that that's interesting. So you're opening a lot of great eyes for with us. Well, if we can keep you on your toes, we're doing good. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. We'll talk to you real soon. All right, folks, what a great conversation we had with all three of our guests today. A uh, big thank you to Congressman Feenstra, to Dick Balzi, our great Just the News congressional correspondent, and of course, Peter Lipset from Donors Trust. I want to give you that address one more time. If you are inspired to check out Donors Trust, at least find if they can make a difference for you, then all you have to do is go to DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. DonorsTrust.org slash Just News, and you'll get started on a great partnership. We love the partnership, and we love the idea that you can align your charitable giving to your values, and you can make sure that your pennies and your dollars have the maximum impact to whatever cause it is that you are called to support, whatever you believe to support. I think that's all great. And I think that's an amazing opportunity for all of us in America to consider. DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. All right, folks, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just News. Hope you're having a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with a postmortem on the State of the Union. We'll have some new scoops on China and so much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back tomorrow. And of course, watch JustTheNews.com all night or download the Just the News Apple or Android apps for your smartphone and tablets so that you can have all the breaking coverage tonight of the speech, the Republican response, and so much more. All right, that wraps it up. Have a great night, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary. 
or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.